Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And a week that started with Kyle Walker playing in Nets and ended with defeat at Liverpool means we're sitting in fourth place in the Premier League and nine points behind the league leaders. But there is good news. There is good news. Lisa Rabinovitz is back on the Man City Show. After a few months off, and I can announce to the world, the reason you have been off is you are expecting a baby blue. That is true. And many, many congratulations from all your friends on the podcast. Thank and you. Uh, some suggestions for names for you, if we can start with that. Steph or Sergio? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got Lucy yeah. or Leroy. We, you could go Karen or Claudio. We've got Jill or John. Georgia or Gabrielle. Just a few I thought of before we came on, thank but you're very you, welcome. Thank you so much, thank you. Bear all those in mind. I will do. You're looking well, and it's great to have you back on the show, Lisa. Thank and you. good luck with the rest of the pregnancy. Um, joining Lisa, two regulars, Stato Paul Demby. Good evening. And MCS, MCFC pragmatist Nick Goldstone. Hello. Uh, well, listen, we've, uh, we'll do Atalanta in the Champions League a bit later. We've, we've actually had loads of questions, and I want to start, actually, with a question from David Gaskell, who said, why are we playing at a different level this year What's changed, Paul? I think it's a reasonable question because it just feels different, doesn't it? It does feel a bit different. I'm not sure why. We've got a, quite a few injuries at the moment, clearly. Therefore, it's not just the injuries. It's, it's ability to change the play, rotate the squad. No Sane in there at all to move in there with his pace on the left. Um, effectively, Laporte injury doesn't help us. In phases and in patches, we play very, very well. And actually... I know we'll address yesterday's game. We played pretty well, I thought, most of the game yesterday. And, OK, we'll talk VAR, I'm sure, at some point in the next half hour or so. But effectively, had we taken the chances that were created, we wouldn't be talking about a defeat at Anfield. But what has changed? I don't think too much has changed. I think the intensity is still there. I think teams have read us a little bit more, but we're finding ways around it. At the end of the day, we've played a couple of very poor games. The rest of the time, we've been pretty decent. But you mentioned, Paul, the fact that we've been kind of not as 
great in front of goal. We have missed chances. And there have been lots and lots of games where that's been the case, Lisa. And it happened again. We had probably more chances against Liverpool than we'd had in many of the previous games against them. But we're not taking those chances. Yeah, I think it was the least... I was obviously wasn't looking forward to the match beforehand, but it was actually the least nervous I had been watching us play Liverpool for a while. And I think that was because we did play quite well, but we aren't taking our chances. That's been the story of the season. It was the story of Pep's first season. Um, it reminds me a lot of that. And I think what happens is you, you end up talking about defence, and I'm not saying our defence is good, but I think the bigger problem is not taking our chances and not making the most of the possession we have. Maybe not yesterday is a bit different, but other, other games where we have 70-plus percent possession and we, we, we're still not, we're not having the end product from that. And, but I think the other thing that's changed is we don't have leadership. You talk about company going and, yes. and, and that hasn't been replaced. Yeah, I was really worried about that um, because I don't think it matters that he didn't play all the time. He was there and that influence has gone. And I don't think it's just him. There the, were the other people who are more vocal in the dressing room, even the likes of Delph. They're very different characters, but they're just, they, they were the vocal people in the dressing room. We've lost that. There, there are some fairly introverted characters certainly compared to them and I know we didn't have De Bruyne all of last season but he's not performing the way he did when he was fully fit I think although I agree with Paul overall that we we are playing well in patches I think it's it's inconsistent there are and I think maybe just collectively they've dropped a level. Yes, we are missing Laporte. That has a huge impact on us. It would have a huge impact on most teams missing at the moment Edison, Laporte, the likes of Sané, Silva. What, you know, there aren't many teams who would cope with that very well. But I, I, do, I, I just feel that there's something not quite right. Bernardo's not what he was last season. I think there are lots of elements. Okay, uh, we'll come on to the Liverpool game in a second. I'm trying to get sort of an answer to the generic question of what's changed, you think, from last season, Nick, first, before we get on to the, maybe the specifics of Anfield. Yeah, I mean, without repeating what the other guys have said, um, I th- the, uh, the, uh, there's, there's, a fact, there's a psychological um, piece to it that, that just can't be ignored, and I think it's a very, very strong force. When you've won it twice and you're going to try and win it a third time, you just don't have the edge over over uh, a rival team that is trying to win it for the first time in 30-odd years. Um, I'll leave it at that. All right. So so what about... Let, let's pick up on the Liverpool game. I think we've probably covered most of the generic points. I can't think of many others. So in terms of the Liverpool game itself, clearly we went into it... I think we probably... I think we thought six injuries, but Rodri, surprisingly, was declared fit, and I think it left us with five in the end. In key positions, you know, obviously you've got the goalkeeper and we'll come on to the um, Atlanta game when he, when he was uh, substituted there at half-time. But, but in, let's sort of stick with injuries first. Uh, and we've mentioned Laporte already. Other areas of the pitch where you think that's going to work, where, when that affected us against Liverpool particularly? Uh, I think probably for me, and people will disagree, but I think the major one was the keeper. Um, and there's not... You know, you can't necessarily, or obviously you can point to the specifics of the goals going in and whether the keeper was to blame. I'm not saying that Bravo was necessarily to blame, frankly, for any of the goals, but 
He's got a lack of presence, a lack of authority, and I think that that in itself has a major impact on the way that we play and the way that we defend. A big miss, Edison? Edison was a big miss, but I wouldn't have been as concerned about it if Laporte had been in the defence. I think it's a combination of the two things. I don't think it's just Edison being missing. Because Bravo... I know lots of people love to hate Bravo. I really don't think he's that bad. I think the, the bigger problem is the, the back four. Um, that's just my, my opinion on it. I, I think if what happened to Edison midweek had happened and we'd been playing Bravo, but the back four had been more like it was last season, I would have been far less concerned about it. But, but doing, doing the job you'd expect me to do, lots of people have argued that we've spent tens of millions of pounds on our back four. We have. You know, with, with Cancelo's come in, uh, Mendy was a fortune. So, you know, there's two massive signings at fullback. Yeah. Um, and yet he didn't even play Mendy. No. Mendy, you know my feeling about Mendy. I think Mendy was a mistake. But... Okay, still time to prove me wrong on that. Um, I actually don't think Angelino was that bad yesterday. Um, it's the centre backs is a bigger problem. We Laporte's injured. We didn't replace company. I felt going into the season with three centre backs when every other season we'd needed four uh, significantly at some point in in the season to have not only that but Stones who gets injured a lot and for whatever reason just isn't the player he was previously um i i was worried about that even before laporte got injured so as soon as he got injured it was to me it was an absolute disaster but i also think actually what we missed yesterday was david silver mm. interesting that he was kind of fit enough to sit on the bench but but not to start it always worries me about that so let's just dissect the three goals that they scored the first goal ignore the var for a moment it was a, it was gundawan's mistake because he only half cleared the ball straight to Fabinho, then nobody closed him down. And it was a fantastic shot. I don't think any keeper in the world would have saved it. I think we're agreeing on that more. Edison would have done. I don't think no. he would. Yes, but, he would. But what were Stones doing there? Well, that's it. What are the central defenders doing? Not closing Fabinho down quickly what? enough. The, no, the second... like, like to, before when the ball got crossed in, why was Stone, where was Walker? <coughs> well, what was know, going on there? It was a fast break. Walker was caught up the pitch a bit. These things happen, but I still think it's if you've got to put, put it on somebody for that particular goal, it should have been cleared better than it was and then closed okay. down. All right. The okay. second goal, it was the central defender. It was a good play by Liverpool, let's be honest about it. Great pass across the park uh, and then a great cross into the box for Salah to head home. Whether it was offside or not, we'll never know. But again, central defenders read the play perhaps a little bit better than Fernandinho was. He was inches away from getting a foot to it and taking it away from Salah. That's life. But a, a central defender in his true position might, I'm not guaranteeing, might have got that one. The third goal, it was our left-back position where they got a, a very good crossing, but he should never, ever have been allowed to get that crossing. Simple as that. He had too much time to get to the byline and got a, a very good cross. I don't think Bravo stood a chance, and I still don't think Edison would have stood a chance because the way it was looped right to the very back post, and before he got there, it, it was as good as in. So three defensive problems that led to their goal. Having said all that, we still have the chances to score the goal. So the defence is weak at the moment. It's weaker than it should be. But the attack isn't delivering either. And, and that's where I started from. And I, and I do increasingly um, feel that, that the, the, the back four situation has been well documented. And, and, and we talk about it every week. I don't think we're talking enough about the fact that we're not firing up front. And, and it does concern me. To have that many chances and to have a, a striker like Aguero and Jesus on the bench and Sterling playing the way he is, 
we, we're not scoring enough goals. And, and I think the way Pep plays, particularly with the defence he's got, and it's a bit like the way we played in the 70s, you will remember this, Paul, mm. and, and what, what Mercer used to say was, I don't care if you score one or two, because we'll always score three or four. And, 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 and we're not doing that. And that is my concern. And I'm just wondering, why is that? I know, I know there's, Aguero's got a particular issue with Anfield. He hasn't scored there in however many years. And it just seems odd. And I just want to concentrate a bit, if we can, in terms of what's happening up front um, and your thoughts on that, why that is. Um, is it a confidence issue? Is it just the rub of the green? You know, what, what, what is going on up front? The, the back four and the goalkeeper is well documented. I think we know what's happening. Nick, any, any particular thoughts on that strike force and why we're not converting all the chances that we're making? Because there's no question we're making plenty of chances. Well, yeah, but we've scored probably more goals than any other team in the league. And even if you take out the 8-0 against Watford, we've still scored as many as any other team in the league. Um, so... That, Except Leicester, perhaps. That would, su- yeah. that would suggest that there's no problem whatsoever. And as many people say to me quite often, that you can't score half a dozen goals every week because that just Why doesn't not? happen. So, you know, Aguero's probably lost a few percent o- against his, his prime, uh, but he's still a, a world-class striker and he, and he misses... Um, a few and he has the odd bad game but generally he's fantastic his backup Jesus is frankly not up to it and he proved that again yesterday sorry because uh, I completely disagree because he did because he did because he, he did nothing um, did Sterling's scoring a lot of goals but he didn't get one yesterday so you know you can't judge the forwards on yesterday's game no, I don't think I am to be fair I think I'm thinking of the last few games and I've mentioned on the last few it's clearly you two Lisa and Paul in particular you, you're keen I think to come back on uh, yeah. Nick with his comment about Jesus well let's pick up on Aguero's misses yesterday the one where De Bruyne put it across in the second half he's got to score that any top class striker scores that goal he should have done in the first half there was a beautiful cross as well where if he puts his head a couple of inches and dives for it a dive head he's going to score as well and then Sterling's header in the first half, which is way off target. Again, chances galore. You cannot blame... Jesus did not have a real clear-cut chance yesterday. And people blame him for not scoring the goals. He is a much better link-up player than Aguero is. He is not a goal, an outright goal scorer as Aguero is. He plays a different sort of game. And I think people are getting on his back a little bit because he doesn't, he's not an Aguero-type player. I'm not Aguero, blaming him. Well, you did a little bit. I'm not blaming him for yesterday. All I'm saying is he's not as good as Aguero. He's a different sort of player, though, is my point. He, Lisa? He is, and I think, actually, overall, we play better as a team with him in the team than we do with Aguero in the team, and I love Aguero, and please don't start this to be a thing that Lisa hates Sergio Aguero, because that really is not the case. But as we play now, I believe that Jesus is better suited. And I, I just don't understand the, the stick he gets. Um, I, I think, actually, if, if we're talking about this... The, the conclusion I'm coming to, the more we talk about this, is actually, is the problem actually up front or is it in midfield? Um, because... I thought it was the defence, actually. <laughs> we're, we're, to, we're going to cover... And the keeper. So uh, we're yeah, going to cover yeah. it all in a minute. No, so. because I... Look, strikers will miss opportunities. They will score opportunities. It's not like either of them are not doing that. Um, but I, I still think we've got a, a problem with the consistency of the players we've got in midfield. Um, De Bruyne, I know I've already said this, he hasn't 
yes, he, he has these moments where he's just utterly amazing and everyone stands and stares and no one really knows what to say because the pass is just incredible. But he's not at his best. He's not being consistent. And Bernardo is a shadow of the player. And I don't know whether it's everything that's been going on with this ridiculous tweet nonsense, but he... I don't think it is because I already think from the beginning of the season he didn't look the same as he did last season. I'm not saying he doesn't put in the effort, but the, the he's. I just I'm not seeing the same player I saw last season. Agreed. Um, we'll put Paul on that. Can we just pick up on what Lisa said? Sorry, in terms of KDB in particular. Um, obviously, we didn't play a huge amount last season, but when he did, he was awesome and best player in the planet and all that. And he hasn't reached those heights, has he, this year? No, he definitely hasn't. He has, on very occasional bits of play, patches where he put some brilliant balls in. I think one for Silver's goal, um, one of the thrashings we did where he put a fantastic one. So he does it in patches, but he's not doing it with a regularity that we think he can do it and therefore to be the world-class player that we know he can be. And with Lisa as well, Bernardo Silva is nothing compared to last season. Again, he does it for a couple of minutes or a few minutes each game and he looked a little bit threatening yesterday against Liverpool but he doesn't do it with the frequency which I think a world-class midfield player needs. Yeah, I mean, we've got to think about trying to be consistent here. We're talking about how many chances we created and that they weren't converted. Well, you know, if we created all of these chances then then who was it who was creating them? Because Bernardo didn't have too bad a game yesterday in fact nope. he probably had one of his better games of the season yep. De Bruyne I think um, you know he has been a bit hot and cold but then again he needs as they all do it's not just about the person passing the ball it's about the other guys making the runs all of that's got to happen all of the time in order to make things work you know, we're, a, we're a very highly regimented team in the way that we play you know they are coached to the nth degree to do the same thing over and over and over and over again a thousand times and that is what they do most of the time that works fantastically well 95 percent of the time it means we create good chances we score goals and we beat teams when we come up against very very good teams which uh, liverpool certainly are if we don't play at our maximum and we don't get the rub of the green then we lose Let's tackle it then, front on. Uh, I'm not going to take any part of this next discussion. I'm going to set it up for you three, and you know what I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to remind the listeners of this show that I have been absolutely consistent from before VAR was introduced. I predicted what would happen. I've never been a fan for the reasons I gave you before it was introduced. Lots of people now jumping on the same bandwagon. I have been consistent. I will simply ask the question and say, your thoughts on VAR? For yesterday's game, I've heard rumours, whether they are true or not, that VAR was not working yesterday, which is a disgrace if it wasn't. And if it wasn't, because they said that the reason the first handball was not given was because it was in an unnatural position, means they're lying. If they're lying about it, then the people who lied about it should be sacked immediately because politicians who make mistakes don't get sacked for making mistakes, they get sacked for lying about it thereafter. Now, my views on VAR is I was a supporter of it, but I've now got some doubts about it in terms of its effectiveness and the way it's being implemented. I thought it was very well implemented in the World Cup, but it has been an absolute shambles, to put it bluntly, in the Premier League. I... Honestly, can't remember what I thought about it beforehand because all I can think of is what I think about it now. Um, the problem I have with it 
is the inconsistency of his application. Um, and I'm, and I'm sure Nigel will correct me about the laws of the game. Um, the handball thing in particular is doing my head in for want of a better um, explanation. I, regardless of what you think about the law and, and how it should be appropriately applied, it isn't being consistently applied and therefore does anyone know what it is? I, this, is this is one thing that is really, really irritating me. If if, at least if it was being applied in a way that I looked at and thought the law is ridiculous, but at least everyone's getting the same treatment, then it would annoy me, but at least it would, be, it would seem fair. At the moment, it just doesn't seem fair. If they can't apply these things consistently, then it shouldn't be used at all. Um, we are talking about this much, much more than we ever talked about referee mistakes, and we thought that was bad. Yes, Nigel, we, we agree with you. We bow down. <laughs> you are correct. But... Uh, and, and don't get me started on offside. Um, it, I think we have discussed this before. Three months ago, when I was last on here, I think we may have even discussed this. You, you, can't, you can't start talking about someone's nose hair being offside. It's just absurd. Well, I've always been against it, Nigel. As you know, I've been with you very consistently. But... Uh, uh, um... Yesterday was probably a quite important uh, turning point because the the circumstances represented possibly the the Premier Leagues and the referees' worst nightmare of um, of circumstances. A an accidental handball from by Bernardo that should not have been penalised which led to the handball by Alexander-Arnold, um, which, which I think actually should have been penalised. But then, as play went on, um, a goal being scored at the other end, at Anfield, in the biggest match of the season, uh, being watched by the entire world. Um, so there is, there is no set of circumstances that the entire apparatus of the league could have possibly imagined as being worse than that and it happened um and it happened after a series of weeks during the whole course of the season when um var has been an utter shambles um almost from beginning to end with the odd i suppose you've got to give them credit for one or two decisions that have been made uh, or reversed correctly as a result of it. Um, but it's, what it's now becoming is, is almost an existential issue for the league um, because people are losing their faith in the game and the league in their droves. The media is very much turning against uh, VAR. The referees between them, the ones officiating on the pitch and those officiating in the infamous trading estate in Stockley Park are, con well, I'll use the word conspiring, whether it's deliberate or accidental is for those people listening to make up their minds. I'm sure it's accidental. But they are conspiring between themselves to cover their own backsides and change their minds on how they are going to implement this total shambles of a system 
week, not even week on week, but minute by minute during games. So it is an absolute unmitigated disaster, whether you're a red or a blue or a yellow or a green. So what happens now then? Do we, what, what, what do you think is the best thing to happen? Do we say it hasn't worked, it's too difficult, um, Nigel was right, whatever the view might be, and, and do we just kind of take a rain check and say, you know, we're just going to carry on and we're going to have discussions about rest make mistakes sometimes and that's the way it's always been and we'll keep go line technology because at instant it's factual um, what happens next Paul? I think they've got to move it on they're not going to get rid- whether we like it or not they're not going to get rid of VAR I, I doubt I could be proved wrong what they need to do is if there is a clear and obvious mistake which is what the referees what it's supposed to be there for the decision needs to be made within 10 seconds of the VAR review. That is a clear and obvious mistake to me. If it's not clear and obvious, they can't, uh, then they're taking too long to make the decision. They also need to send the referees to the pitch side monitor with a degree of regularity to say, we're not sure about that. Please go and have a look at that. You tell us, you make the decision as to whether it's a handball. Not make the decision in Stockley Park as to whether it was a handball, it was an offside, it was a foul. Let the referee have the monitor, as they do in the, cha- European, uh, in the Champions League and as they did in the World Cup. That works and worked reasonably well compared to what we're seeing in the Premier League. Nick? I think there are two major things they've got wrong. And if I'm lucky, I'll remember the second one after I've talked about the first one. (laughs) The first one is that they've massively underestimated the intelligence of supporters who they assumed were just dumb, ignorant idiots who would accept that this glorious technology that they've imposed would be accepted without question as being unquestionably correct when it is blindingly obvious that the limitations in... TV technology and the speed at which people move, two very, very basic things mean that when it comes to things like offside, you just cannot be absolutely accurate. Um, The second thing, which I do remember, is that they've also utterly failed to understand the psychological impact that it would have on referees and officials on the pitch officiating the game and how that would impact on how they would make their, their decisions because the referees are basically abdicating responsibility to VAR who are then in turn abdicating their responsibility themselves. Let me just, a lot of questions this week we've had on Twitter and obviously if you want to get involved we're at City Podcast and Darren Watson uh, particularly, I, I want to pick up on what Darren asked which is, uh, I don't believe in agendas he says against Man City however after the officiating on Sunday and other decisions gone in Liverpool's favour this season I'm finding it difficult to convince myself there is no conspiracy not against City but for Liverpool am I being paranoid? Is Darren being paranoid? Because this, this question has come up time and time again so let, let's cover it uh, thanks for your question, Darren. Uh, any thoughts, Lisa? I don't think it's pa- it's understandable paranoia, but the chances are it is paranoia, or at least I would like to think it is. But I, you can see how that is the impression that people are getting because, I mean, I haven't done a statistical analysis on this to see, you know, if if you get a, a whole heap of um, opinions on some on all the decisions that have happened so far this season that are VIR related and you stack them up, are Liverpool having, have Liverpool had more in their favour than other teams? If the answer to that is yes, it doesn't look good, but I, I don't think it's a conspiracy. <coughs> and you know what? If I'm wrong, that's more than really bad and I don't really know what to say about it. I, I don't think it's a conspiracy because 
let's be honest about it. Liverpool have had a couple of decisions on VAR go against them. The, the one that um, Firmino, I think it was, was given offside against Villa when you know his armpit might have been offside. Then there's a free kick against Stretford when Stretford scored, and it probably was a foul beforehand, and they didn't get that one. So they have lost a couple of VAR decisions as well. And the other thing that you'd argue is that it's the referees that give it to them just as much because you take the, the last-minute penalty that when they won 2-1 when Mane took his tumble against Leicester. Yes, he might have made minor contact, but that was just as much contact as Sterling got yesterday at Anfield and we didn't get a penalty for it. So I think it's the same issue as the referees get sucked in by the Anfield um, crowd and that's the issue. I don't think it's VAR conspiracy. I think it's just a, a generic at Anfield, Liverpool get things going their way. Nick, what, briefly, one last point on this. Well, I think that the fact that people are asking that question, and it, you know, there are a lot of people asking that kind of question, is just a, a symptom of how this whole issue is bringing the game and the referees into um, disrepute, frankly. Jonathan Burnell's asked a very similar question as well, so, so thanks for that, Jonathan. There's one other question I just want to throw onto the table, and I started with this, but, but Ray from City Fan TV, thanks, thanks for your question, Ray. Who's to blame for the fact we've got so many injuries and players that need moving on, but we can't shift? Well, that's a difficult one. I'm not sure that how many players we want to move on and shift. Uh, the injuries, there's two different questions, that, isn't it? It is, really. Um, yeah, I've asked that question myself, and I've not got a good answer to it. Is it our training techniques that make us more susceptible to injuries? Look at our long-term injuries season on season. We always get two or three players. Like last year it was De Bruyne. We've had company in the past has been out for several matches. This season we've lost Leroy. Okay, it was an injury. We've lost Laporte. Uh, Mendy. Mendy. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know because Liverpool, as our main opponents, don't seem to suffer as many long-term injuries. Yes, they lost Alisson for a period of time, but they don't seem to get as many. Nick? I think the only person who you can probably say is to blame for any of any of the injuries is Edison, because I don't know what on earth he was doing getting injured, standing around doing nothing the other night. Does anybody know how? Why? It's his thigh, apparently. His own bloody fault. <laughs> other than that, I've not... I, I mean, I don't know who, who do we want to get rid of. No, that's the one bit I'm not sure about. So Ray wants to know. Well, Sonny was the only one that was on the rumour list at pre-season one, because really Bayern Munich, but we didn't want to Well, he'll blame Pep for him getting injured, because yeah. he played him in the Community Shield. All right, well, I'm looking round. Ray, it's a good question. We're struggling a bit, and maybe you can let us know yourself, Ray, what you think. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about Atalanta, and what we think about uh, City's prospects for the rest of the season, and we'll, we'll do all that straight after this break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Welcome back. Well, we're going to start with the this half with the Champions League and Atalanta. I'm going to start particularly with Stato Paul Denby for a very good reason. 
course, he was in Italy. You were there. Tell us all about it, Paul. Good I trip? Wa- I was, yes. It was a good trip, the usual good crap beforehand, going to the New York lounge for a few beers with uh, a lot of city sports. Very well behaved. Never saw a bit of trouble at all. Uh, can I give a call out to Vicky if she's listening? Because I did tell her to watch the podcast, listen to the podcast. So hello, she, Vicky. Hello, Vicky. Just tweet us back if you can, if you are listening. Um, the actual game itself... Um, does the wife know about Vicky, by the way? Uh, <laughs> doesn't really matter, does it? I don't know where she lives or anything about her now. Does she know he went to Atlanta? <laughs> well, you don't know where the wife lives. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll go around in circles. And let's get yeah. back to the... Let's get back to Vicky. <laughs> Get back to Vicky. Come Let's on. get back to the game. Um, stadium, stadium. It's like twelve out of circles. You got to walk up. That takes six minutes to the very top. Why they put you in the top when it's at best half full, probably less than half full. Actually, I'll never know. Except they don't want the atmosphere created on near the pitch. Um, the stadium itself is a, a fantastic stadium, but it is in need of uh, renewal, which I believe they're going to be doing very shortly. It's a little bit old, but it's a fantastic view from there. The the game itself, well, I'm sure most people saw it, um, we should have been three up by half-time, shouldn't we? A diabolical penalty by Jesus. Um, we sh- the, I don't know what he was doing. He's got a terrible t- penalty record. Aguero's is not that much better. Why Gundogan doesn't take them, as, uh, I- I'll never know. Um, but we missed our chances again. We talked about this a little bit earlier on. Had we taken our chance in the first half, 2-0, 3-0, game over. Exactly. And, I made the point myself. Yeah, and then second half... Nick doesn't agree. Edison, Edison doesn't I come do. out. Um, Bravo goes in goal. I'm not saying he's a poor keeper. He's not as good as Edison, let's be honest about it. But I think it's what he does for the rest of the defence. They don't have as much confidence in him when he's got the ball to distribute it as well as Edison. Although Edison didn't distribute it very well in the first half, to be honest. He was yeah. injured. Yeah, perhaps that's the reason. <laughs> I think that probably was. He was hopping around was. on one leg. <laughs> hopping around trying to head it out. No, um, I don't bl- again, I don't blame Bravo for getting sent off. He came out after Gundogan, unfortunately, again made that mistake. He slipped and they got the ball and broke away. And um, the- then he came out. I'm not even sure he touched him. The TV replays, I think, were pretty inconclusive as to whether I Bravo thought, touched I thought the striker's got to take some credit for that, actually, because I think he kind of left his left leg sort of trailing just so he kind of almost caught... Bravo and, yeah. and, and went down under the challenge. And I'm, I'm not saying that's cheating necessarily. I just think he did he did well to uh, to, to get some contact. But, but if you uh, leave your leg trailing to win a penalty, you're booked for that potentially. Yeah. But, but I think it was reckless, wasn't it? But I think that's why Bravo was sent. He was it was a reckless challenge, whether he caught him or not. Just by definition of coming out and throwing himself like that was uh, was yeah. a sending off offence in itself. I think a bit of a moment of madness from him. Yeah. But. It did provide me with some entertainment, at least. With Walker going I mean, it was just... I have to say, I know this is, this is not a very serious approach to be taking, but considering we should have been winning in the... We should have won the match in the first half, and we didn't, it was, I just found it incredibly amusing. We'd lost Edison to an injury, Bravo gets still sent off, and you're thinking, who's going in goal? Well, there you go, Carl Walker did a good job. But the whole fiasco of, the, of that changeover, of the, the board not being ready, I mean, it, it took, what, four or five minutes or something? Like that. What was your view in the stadium, Paul? Well, was it was a, yeah, it was terrible. We, we didn't know what was going on. Why it was, we could see it was taking long. There were two issues, wasn't there? One, VAR to confirm it was a red card. That seemed to take yep. two or three minutes. I'm not sure I didn't have my stopwatch on it. And then the board wasn't up to say who was coming off, and that was the other issue. Surely, whether it's the city team on the side or the fact the board wasn't ready it's an easy thing isn't it if he's sent off get the board ready exactly bit of pantomime stuff it's always good isn't it outfield player going in puts the his kit was all a bit not matching and he had sort of gloves he just looked i just love all of that stuff don't you oh it was a (coughs) it was a tragic comic 
cock up for the ages. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was there, kind of game for Paul. Uh, Walker in nets. They're already printing the the, the, uh, the goalkeeping tops with his name and his number you can on buy, the back. You can buy them in the shop today. Exactly. Yeah. But what an absolute shambles! Uh, I mean, you know, in a game we didn't even have to win. That nobody would have minded if we played out a nil-nil draw quite quietly and just gone home and got on with it. And we end up turning a completely controllable situation into an absolute farce. And it, it wasn't that important, was it? We're still going to win the group, aren't we, I think? Uh, we, uh, we should uh, do. We, we certainly should do. We, we could have Scott Carson in there next time. We could do. Nothing wrong with that? No, I'm no. not saying there is. It's city just legend, that, city, Mancunian born and bred, uh, obviously. <coughs> Scott Carson, city, city legend. You've got did, his shirt. You've got his I number on your back of your shirt, haven't you? That's making me laugh again. Did, Whatever did, you think of Bravo, he is a, disa- he is a walking disaster. He comes won, on. He won cups he see, for us. Comes on, what about sees, the League Cup? He sees the ball sh- shoot past it within hero, a few minutes. Cup hero, Paul. Then he gets, then he gets a red oh. card. <laughs> Whosoever fault it is... Whether you think he was to blame or not, the guy is an absolute walking disaster. Nick, Nick cup hero. He was, wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. So he's not a disaster. He's, he's, won, a, he's, he's won trophies. an absolute walking disaster. Put him right for me. Put him, put him for me. Well, my boys would agree with you. But, I, <laughs> I, but, but I, I, I take a little bit of issue with it. I don't think he's a walking disaster. Pep wouldn't have had the faith in him to keep him there uh, as the number two after a season of injury. And I think he, he's, he's a bit unlucky in some, some respects to have no defence in front of him when he's thrown in at the deep end. Edison is a better keeper, no doubt about it. We did have a question from Adembi on Twitter. Um, I, I'm, I suspect it was one of your various sons. How many goals would Edison have saved in the Liverpool game? Uh, if he was in, well, you already so, touched on so, that. So, are you just a specific question? I just realised ah, yeah. I didn't ask him. I, 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 I know which son asked that one as well because we had that discussion. On his, he went to Anfield yesterday, so on his way back, he called me. Yeah. I said Edison wouldn't have saved any, and I'll leave it to my other two guests and yourself. So, to Lisa, say. Do you, what do you reckon? The, so you let's go. The, save the first one. So the first one. Do you no. not think so? No, I don't. Also, I do think Edison is a better keeper than Bravo, but he he's also prone to some. Errors. Not that I'm saying that would have been errors if he hadn't saved those goals. I, I think we're bigging him up too much. We're forgetting the, the real asset he brings is the, the distribution. distribution. Sure. Um, I still think he's a very good all-round keeper. Yeah. But I, I don't think... I, I'm not looking at those going, oh, well, if Edison had been in goal, they wouldn't have been in the back of the net. That's ridiculous. Uh, no, I, I, so I don't So, briefly, know. Don't would know. Edison have saved any of those three goals? No, I don't think he necessarily yeah. would have. All right. There's the, there's the answer for one of the Denby boys. Let, listen, let's look forward a bit. Um, we're we're going to win that group. That's not a problem. Let's just kind of think then about the rest of the Premier League. So, it's, we're nine points behind. We're in now fourth position. Your kind of thoughts, Nick, then, of Premier League and, and the future and, and how it's all going to pan out? Uh, well, uh, I don't care whether we are whether we're fourth or second or whatever. It makes no difference to me. I think we will finish in the top two, and I think probably will be second. Uh, we've got an unbelievably difficult run of games coming up: um, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, Burnley away, United at home, Arsenal away, Leicester at home. Before we get to the to to to, to, to the Christmas period. Um, I think there will be a reaction from the team over the next uh, few weeks. I think it's almost a bit of a shame that we've got an international break now because those generally tend to 
not have a particularly positive effect on us. But I do think there'll be a bounce back from uh, from City, which we desperately need. Uh, but I will stick to my guns on in terms of where I think we'll end up at the end of the season, and that is not first. Loads of football still to be played. Lisa just arguing against Nick for a second. Liverpool have not had a bad run yet, had no injuries. City certainly haven't played their best football. Yeah, nine points is a lot, but don't underestimate Pep. And lots of City fans on social media are saying, we could still do this. It's not mathematically <laughs> impossible. I think it's highly unlikely. Um, but in the absence of us being able to do it, I'm looking forward to Brendan Rodgers stopping Liverpool winning the league instead. Um, but we haven't played Leicester or Chelsea yet. Um, I think if we get if we beat both of them, then it's not impossible. But it's rela- it's in- it's completely reliant on Liverpool slipping up again. I don't believe they will. I. I know I said this last season and I was wrong. This is a bit different because of the long-term injuries we have. That's my main doubt there. But actually, just very quickly going back to the match at Anfield, that's not our problem. Our problem was losing to Wolves and Norwich. If we hadn't lost, if we'd won those games, we'd be talking about a three-point gap. This would be a very, very different conversation. And I I think we are clearly more prone to huge cock-ups, whereas Liverpool might draw a couple here or there, I think we still have a couple more losses in us. They don't look like losing, do they, at the moment? So they're no. on a hell of a run, aren't they, Paul? I know I've said on one hand, City haven't had a great run, and uh, we, we should always trust Pep, but they, they don't look like losing, do they, to be honest? And they're no, not they've got, that well. getting a little bit of luck as well, last-minute penalties and slipping through the goalkeeper's hands. Rubber the green. Rubber the green. I do think they'll have a, a few slip-ups. I'm with Nick and Lisa. Yes, it's, it's going to be very challenging, but we went into January last year eight points behind them and still over, overtook them. Uh, we came from eight points behind Stretford in 2012 with only six games to go. It's, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not, I don't for one minute think it's, it's nowhere near in our hands. I think Liverpool, it's theirs to lose. But when the pressure starts cranking up in January, February, if they're, cons- if they're still in the Champions League, etc., and they match after match after match, and we have a full, or a, not necessarily a fully fit squad, but a, a fitter squad than we have today, and we are, say, six points behind going into February, it's not un- unachievable. Yeah, and I don't think it's in any way beyond us to turn this around, but I do think that over the course of the season... Uh, from what we've seen so far and what I think is going to play out, that they will be stronger than we will this year. Um, you know, that's just the way life is on, on occasions, but I do think that's how it'll play out. Um, and the final question from our friend Arthur, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Arthur's asking, what do we need to do in the January sales? Do we need to go into the market? Is it essential we do that? Or do we just rely on guys coming back? Or are we in the market somewhere? What, what we're looking for in the January sales? Uh, it's the old cliche, it's never a great time to buy. But I, I mean, I do think we look a bit stale. Clearly, there are some areas where we would want to strengthen if we could. Um, I don't think we'd necessarily be buying as a panic measure to try and turn it round this season. But I think if the right players are out there that are available that um, will um, add to our squad for the next X number of years, then I think it would obviously be the right thing to Any do. Any particular buy. position, Lisa? I 
can't believe I'm going to say this again. I think we need to buy a left back. Um, and I don't know about centre back because I, I think that um, I think we probably do need to buy someone. But I, I think if we fell any further behind <coughs> Liverpool, then I think you should start playing Garcia and Foden more. And, and Gili- I don't often say that because I would normally say it's a, it's a big risk, and I can see why he wouldn't. Angelino, yeah, Sinchenko, yeah, Mendy, yeah, and Cancelo can okay. play at left back as well. Yeah. And you want to go and buy another one? Sinchenko's not. And left- if, do you want it- seven seven players per position Sinchenko's now? Sinchenko's not looking? a left back. He's played there more than a season. He's not a left back. Um, Angelino doesn't look too bad to me. Would be a decent backup. Mendy. Way too many problems around that. I'm not convinced they're ever going to be solved. And Cancelo has been bought to be the right back. He can play at left back if we need him to, but that's not why he was bought. Um, I still believe we need a left back. Okay. The only position I think we seriously need to consider getting in the if the right person player came up in the January is a, is a centre back. Uh, I don't think Pep would go for a left back on the basis he's got two stroke three to play there. Uh, I understand Lisa's concerns, um, but at the end of the day, Liverpool have already asked the police for um, uh, that they can have their parade at Stockley Park as well. <laughs> I, 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 I think Pep's got an issue with it, with n- not quite knowing what to do with a fullback, and I don't have to say I don't know how how he played or what he did with them in Germany or Spain or whatever. But I think certainly in the Premier League, I'm not quite sure he knows what he wants the fullbacks to do um, attack defend whatever he's not got it right over quite a long period now um, and I don't think he's probably going to get it right if he buys another one well he knows where to come Nick Goldstone is here anytime Pep he can give you some advice absolutely um, listen huge thanks to uh, first of all Vicky for listening um, and for chatting up our Paul um, over there in Italy uh, we'll be on to the wife straight away straight after the show but keep listening Vicky and a huge thanks to Paul and to Nick, and to particularly Lisa. Great to have you back, and good luck with Baby Blue. Here, here. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.